2, The Power of More from Brockmeier and Zalo. Innovation Thinking Today's episode is about tokenization of natural assets. We are talking to Aizi Mita, who works as consultant for the United Nations. Before we get our guest into the conversation, I would like to introduce the co-host of the podcast, Mr. Dieter Brockmeier, the innovation expert at the Diplomatic World Institute. Hello, Dieter. Guess what comes now? How are you? Well, Christian, you never give up, and uh, but I never bend in. I'm feeling great, of course, and it's an absolutely pleasure to have Ayatse here. I'm only uh, saying Tiger Bonds. Uh, this was a running joke we had when we uh, when we met. Uh, what uh, this means? Well, he will tell you later. Our uh, our topic, of course, is tokenization of natural assets, and uh, we we touched that before, so everybody should be aware of. The basic idea of it, anyway. Mm -hmm. And now to our special guest, Aitze Mita, who is an expert in the fintech world and works now for the United Nations Development Program. He looks after digitalization innovations to accelerate the development of the SDGs. Hello, Aitze. How are you? Hi, Christian. I'm very well, thanks. And hello, Dieter. It's a great pleasure to be with you this morning or this afternoon, depending on which time zone you're in. But it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for hosting Absolutely. me. Cool. Great to have you here. Let's see, how important is it to evaluate ecological ecosystems? So, Christian, I mean, we, we see the challenges that we face today in terms of environmental um, conservation and protection, right? There's a lot of degradation happening, and a lot of that is actually related to uh, human activity. Um, a lot of the degradation that's happening today is mostly driven by human consumption. And that's for one main reason. It's because we have failed to value nature and nature services adequately in our economic model. And so valuing adequately the services that nature renders in terms of not just carbon sequestration, but all the other services that it actually offers humanity in terms of regulating humidity in the air, in terms of regulating our temperature and all these things is extremely important if you want to start appreciating that in our economic models, leaving aside, of course, all the ethical considerations uh, and why it's important to protect and safeguard nature. But in the economic model, attaching a dollar value to the services is going to open up new opportunities and new potential for actually then channeling financing towards nature um, and investment into nature. Absolutely understandable. Only what is um, what you can measure, you can put a value on and that you can take into management decisions. But what are your tools to give it a US dollar value, actually? So, so there's a lot of uh, methodologies. Uh, there's probably more than 60 methodologies, and I am not directly involved in these to actually measure the value of ecosystem services. Uh, where I come in is when that measurement and that valuation is done. So when you know, for instance, that in Argentina, if you look at the Chaco province and the forests and the wetlands and the peatlands, and you look at uh, the entire ecosystem and how it functions and operates, and you look at its carbon sequestration capacity, for instance, when you're able to determine that the value of ecosystem services of that region would be amounting to something in the range of $100 billion plus, then the question becomes, how do you start then designing financial instruments that will allow private investors to start investing in conservation and restoration efforts, but also in the development of the resilience of local communities living in those areas? So that's where I come in after the valuation is done to actually design the financial instruments. 
um, whether this is a bond, whether this is a security, whichever type of instrument is relevant. And this is where fintech and technology actually comes into play, not just in the design of the financial instrument, but also then, of course, you need to be able to monitor and verify and report back on the impact uh, of your interventions in terms of conservation and restoration. And digital tools also play a significant role in that monitoring function, if you would like. So I come in with the technology angle, both with tokenization for instruments, but also with digital tools for monitoring of impact. You already mentioned Argentina, because I know you have a live program there. Uh, so that gives us a chance of uh, giving an example how such a project and uh, does look like. Yes, absolutely. So the, the first thing I would say is there's a very strong ownership by the government and the country as a main stakeholder in this, right? It's first of all, uh, a country level project. There's multiple agencies and partners involved. And it all started with the identification of an area that was actually really suffering from degradation uh, due to human activity again, and trying to measure the value, as I was saying before, of ecosystem services um, in that particular area and determining the major threats to these ecosystem services and the types of intervention that would be required to protect them, but also really to support the local communities. And the idea, once that measurement was done, that is that we have started designing a financial instrument, which is essentially going to be similar to a security in the form of an eco-token on a blockchain platform uh, that will be uh, corresponding for one particular token to the value of ecosystem services to one hectare of land, as an example, or one piece of land. So just to be clear, it's not, it's not nature and the ecosystem itself that's getting tokenized. Uh, it's not the stock, it's the flow, right? It's the value of ecosystem services. The land remains the propriety of people, of the country, etc. It's the value of ecosystem services that has value because if you think of it in terms of carbon sequestration and you attach that value of that eco-token to the corresponding uh, amount of carbon sequestration, that has a lot of value for all sorts of companies that need to offset their emissions. As an example, uh, that has a lot of value Uh, for governments that also have their own nationally determined contribution targets to achieve under the Paris Agreement. And so the tokenization allows you to create uh, a, a unit of investment, if you would like, for investors to buy a token. And by buying a token, essentially what happens is that something around 50% of the amount is going to be directed towards conservation and restoration efforts, and 50% will be invested into projects that local communities have decided where their priorities. So they are fully part of the project as part of a territorial development plan. And local communities have expressed their needs in terms of what they want. They want to have access to digital. They want to have access to clean water, to clean energy, mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. healthcare, et cetera. And so the financial instrument will allow to raise capital to invest into not just mm -hmm. the nature, but also local just, communities. Just a, just a question for understanding. Uh, who is the investor of the financial instrument? So the investors will be uh, international financial institutions and corporates. So let's assume you are a large corporate and you need to offset 100 tons of CO2 emissions. Uh, you would be able to buy those eco tokens, for instance, as a way to be able to offset your emissions. But now instead of just buying carbon credits on the carbon market, uh, which in many different ways has its own challenges, you're really investing in a nature-based solution that actually strengthens nature Uh, protects nature as a way to offset. 
So there's a direct benefit yeah. to the environment and to the Perfect. people. Perfect. Uh, so absolutely, it's a carbon it's absolutely bond. Smart idea. Just a second, Dieter. Um, but when we are when we are talking to institutional investors, we do have a regulatory framework. Are they already allowed to buy the electronic tokens you are um, you are talking about? Yeah. So of course, the, the regulation is a major piece, right? And so we are working at the national level with all the regulators, the Securities and Exchange Commission, the Central Bank, etc., to make sure that whatever is designed fits within the regulatory framework. Uh, on the national level, and then we will address the regional, regional and international level to make sure that this becomes an investable instrument uh, for financial institutions according to international regulations as well. So it's all considered. Yeah. Uh, so how? Um, so it's actually more like an alternative to carbon bonds rather than an investment tool where uh, where you draw direct profits from. It will depend on the projects. There's projects where you can actually drive, um, derive a profit from. Uh, but usually, so it, it depends on the investors and some of the projects. There's cases where investors would invest in this uh, and some of the projects would actually generate returns in and of themselves, financial returns, and they would be getting those financial returns from the project-based investments, but also from the carbon credits that will accrue from the reduction of emissions or the increased sequestration and that's sort of how investors get get rewarded some investors would prefer to just get the carbon benefit uh, and the carbon credits as opposed to the money from the sale of the carbon credits and so depending on the projects uh, there's different models where we work in different regions where investors will be getting returns in terms of monet on monetary terms if you would like they will get financial returns and the way we generate those financial returns is through the projects And through the selling of carbon credits um, in voluntary carbon markets that will be generated by the project. And in some cases, the reward itself is the carbon credit um, or a mix of both. So mm -hmm. it's, it's not necessarily just an alternative to the carbon market because there's a whole intervention that happens that supports, as I said, nature, that supports communities. Of course, it results ultimately in, in carbon credit sequestration that results in carbon credits, uh, that creates the return, if you would like, uh, either in, for, in the form of carbon credit equivalent uh, reward or in terms of financial returns. Okay. Actually, in which phase of the financial product are we? Is this uh, development status? Is it already implemented? Are the financial instruments already running and investable? So it's, it's being implemented right now. This is still very, very early stage. There's a few examples of such projects. So we mentioned Argentina. Uh, of course, there's other examples. We are looking at different ways in which we can support uh, keystone species conservation, uh, like forest elephants, for instance, um, in West Africa. And we are in the process with a partner of designing a concept for it. So there, there's a lot of concepts. Uh, we are now testing it and implementing it in, in Argentina. It will need to be piloted uh, before it becomes um, an available instrument for investments. Um, so we are still very early stage in this wave of innovation, but it's starting to pick up quite uh, rapidly. Mm -hmm. And who is controlling the regulatory framework that is probably needed for running such a project? Uh, it, it's the local regulators uh, that we work with in all these countries. Uh, so if you're talking about regulation of the issuance of securities and you're talking about reg and, and you know compliance, with, with uh, national central banking regulations, that's the regulators in the countries where we work. 
they are the ones who are issuing those tokens and those securities uh, on the basis of the concept that we design with them. So they are the ultimate stakeholders. The Securities and Exchange Commission has to approve of that financial instrument as an available and investable financial instrument in their jurisdiction. Okay. What I'm interested in is uh, how much money you can raise uh, via this process. I think uh, this uh, example project we talked about in Argentina, I think that's 100,000 hectares that will be tokenized. So how much money uh, is, is in it to be invested into the environment? So it, it will, of course, we will validate a lot of that through the pilot, right? Um, and of course, you need to be able to attract investors and build a market, uh, the investment market. Um, right now, if you look at the Chaco province, the first estimates are showing that the value of ecosystem services in that particular region, not even looking at the greater north, what, what's called the Gran Norte in Argentina, but just the Chaco province, uh, value of services uh, of ecosystem services would amount to 120 billion dollars more or less uh, so this would be the type of amount um, that you would potentially be looking at if you look at you know, something like the congo basin for instance uh, that would be in the in the trillions um, the question is will you be able to find investors at that level um, to to be to be attracted and interested in those investments. So there's there's still we, we know the uh, on the demand side. If you would like deter, we know the the amounts. Uh, they can be easily known. There's a range of methodologies, as I mentioned. Um, it's on the uh, supply side of money or the demand side of investments, if you would like, that we need to now validate interest and um, and traction uh, and scale, which will need to be uh, to be tested. I think mm -hmm. we're talking about something like uh, 10 cents per token. I'm, and it's amazing how much um, uh, it, it sums up when it goes into the, the full hectares amounts you have available. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about something that's fairly granulated at the moment. And of course, this will all need to be tested as we test also the economic model as part of the pilot to really see what's the right level of granularity, if you would like. Um, do we do want to go really low, which would also potentially allow retail investors to come in in some ways more easily than institutional? Or do you want to have uh, slightly larger um, size tokens, uh, which is, would be sort of a larger coupon, if you would like, if you want to think about it this way? Um, so all these things need to be tested, right? It depends on the target market. It depends on, on the appetite of investors, et cetera. But at the moment, these, these are sort of, we are looking at something fairly granulated in the range of, um, of tens of cents, uh, below a dollar uh, for a token. Um, have you already tr uh, tried out and checked with potential investors? Is there a, a general interest? So th there are informal discussions, of course, always happening. Um, there's, there's seemingly interest. Uh, but th this really needs to be validated, uh, Dieter. I mean, we need to really see on the ground. And of course, using the blockchain now for tokenization uh, in the example of Argentina has several purposes. It has a purpose of, of uh, trust building, of full transparency, single source of truth, immutability of transactions. Everybody is going to be able to really see where the money is going and which conservation projects or restoration projects it's being invested in, what projects for local communities it's being invested in. So there will be full traceability end-to-end -to, -end to make sure that um, all investors uh, are able to actually see what's happening uh, with their investments. 
Um, and, and of course, I'm, I'm just mentioning this because the trust component and transparency component are also going to be enablers of greater uptake uh, for those type of investments. Absolutely. So that's part of the design. But again, it's difficult to really say uh, before. We, we know that corporates and financial institutions are under all sorts of pressure um, on their ESG performance increasingly and, and reporting on their environmental impact um, and risks. And so that might also you know, entice them to invest in those type of instruments. But we need to be able to demonstrate that it works. And it works um, and, and that we're able to measure. You know, We didn't talk at all about the measurement, reporting, and verification of impact. Uh, but that's also a significant component because that's going to be something very important for investors to be able to report back on their impact. Naya, that would have been one of my next questions. Well, how do you ensure that at the end of the investment, what the project promises will be executed? And that could be impact at one point. Yeah, so, so there's two things. One is, of course, you need to have a methodology for, for measuring the impact and assessing the impact and a methodology that is uh, approved by the, the, the current third-party verifiers or certifiers, if you would like, uh, the likes of Plan Vivo, Vera, and Gold Standard, etc. And you need to have digital ways of monitoring this and reporting back. So you have today between remote sensing technologies and satellite imagery, but also ways in which you can actually start sensing quality of air, uh, quality of soil, amount of carbon sequestered, etc. You have all sorts of technology that are now available to be able to actually measure the health of an ecosystem down to almost identifying single individual uh, in, in particular species living in those ecosystems using artificial intelligence. Um, so you have all you need now to be able to take those measurements. And the fact that you do it digitally and you take the data from the field and send it back to the platform that processes it, also creates that level of um, transparency uh, without uh, tampering, if you would like. Um, that's important. So it, it will be done digitally, and it will be fed into a methodology that's then able to demonstrate uh, based on, on current um, verification processes uh, what's been achieved in terms of carbon sequestration, for instance. Yeah, and all involved parties have to agree on the same methodology. Yeah, so the, the methodology, everybody has to agree. So, I mean, that's I'm talking about a given country. So in different countries, the methodologies might vary slightly. But the idea is if you then go to a third-party certifier, they need to be also comfortable with the methodology that they can actually certify the carbon benefit and the carbon uplift that you have generated. So they will be yeah. approving the methodology, and then they will be getting all the data points from the different sensors and tools that you can deploy on the ground to get that data back into the system to demonstrate uh, and provide evidence that you've delivered that impact. Absolutely. In theory, that sounds really cool, but how is the practical approach? So in, in practice, as I said, we are about to implement it right now. Uh, we'll get back, of course, at some point to you with a few updates on this. Uh, there's, already, there's already some level of use of digital MRV, we say um, in, in the jargon, monitoring, reporting, and verification systems for different types of impacts. Uh, there's ways in which, for instance, we have tested uh, in, a, in an Eastern African country. Um, I'm just going to give you an example of how it works in practice. Uh, if you want to you know, entice farmers to have greener practices and you want to give them loans uh, against the fact that they are not degrading the environment, there's ways now in which you can use in your algorithms for lending. You can use satellite imagery to understand if the farmer is deforesting around the plot. You can use uh, sound scrapers to understand the sound made 
by human activity uh, around the plot, uh, by natural uh, elements, rain, windfall around the plot, by biodiversity around the plot. And you have soil scanners that measure the quality of soil. And you can use all of that as a proxy to understand whether uh, the practices are sustainable and green or not, in a way. So it's already been deployed in those type of contexts. We need to now see in the context of a large-scale natural ecosystem how that actually works. But yes, it's, it's been tested to an extent in, in different contexts already. Well, uh, this all sounds very great. And especially while I was talking about tiger bonds, uh, this uh, was, of course, uh, you talked about elephants. It can be ti uh, tigers too. So there's a lot of potential in tokenizing national assets. Uh, last question, when would you think you have uh, the system ready and, and running? So, of course, these things always take a bit longer than one would wish, right? Um, we are hoping that in Q2, there will be something ready for a pilot test, which will be happening in Q3 in one of our projects. Um, of course, there's, there's different ways of thinking about tokenization, uh, since you mentioned it. Of course, you can think about tokenization of natural capital uh, as a way to mobilize uh, financing for, for the restoration of that natural capital. But you could also look at the NFT application of tokenization, actually, which is not really tokenization. It's more blockchain-based. But NFTs could also be an interesting ways of raising funds among the public for uh, you know the, the conservation of and restoration of... Um, the tiger population in Asia, for instance. So there's m multiple ways in which one can start now thinking about blockchain technologies to approach approach those type of issues that are more related to um, environment conservation. Well, we will keep watching you for sure. And I'm, uh, I, I'm really thrilled to see the outcome of it. Yeah, it will be it will be exciting for everyone. The the idea is that we will be sharing more broadly as much as we can about the project itself, the design, the outcomes, etc. Every single thing is is developed to really be shared much more broadly, so that it can actually inspire um, broader action in that space. Perfect. This was Aitzi Mita, who presented who presented his uh, tokenization project for the United Nations Development Program. Thanks for the interesting conversation. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Two, the power of more. From Brockmeier and Zalo. Innovation thinking.